The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, the founder of Miles to Memories, and I'm joined by Mark Osterman, my managing editor, and Joe Chung, and we have a great show for you today. We are going to take the opposite approach on our views of family travel, talk about why it is so terrible. Then we're going to get into the offer that Mark said holy moly to, 100,000 points for venture. Is it worth getting, and can you even get it? Plus, we'll talk about how American Express is still holding back grocery points on Hilton Surpass cards. We have rapid fires and more. If you like the show, please consider subscribing. mtmpodcast.com is where you can go for links to do that. We also have our Diamond Patreon group, which is private Facebook group, private Discord community, and bonus private content every single month. You can find out more about that at patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. And this podcast is brought to you by the Miles to Memories website, 40 to 50 posts a week, milestomemories.com. If you enjoy our content here or on the website, please consider supporting us when you're applying for credit cards or anything else. Most importantly, thanks so much for listening. Now let's get into the show. Happy National Beer Day, Mark. How has your week been? Well, it's Monday, so it's been short. <laughs> so today is National Beer Day. You've been saying it all day long. Yeah. And so what beer did, did you it. bring to the party? I did it. Uh a girl named Egypt. It's a double white IPA, nine percent alcohol from Arbor Brewing Company. It's very tasty. And then Joe, I actually got Joe to drink for the second time ever on the podcast. Oh, was it the second time? I can't even remember the first time. It was, uh, it was, it was that good. Day. It was that good. You must, have me, you must have had me under the table. Yeah, I got a four point from Trillium. It's a local uh, Boston brewery, so or New England brewery. So yeah, how you doing, Sean? How's everybody doing? I missed you guys last week. Good. I mean, uh, it was a good, it was good having Grant, but it, yeah, we missed you too. And um, wasn't as kind of crazy as the show the week before where I wasn't there. No uh, crazy conversations last week, but it was fun. No talking about a uh, daughter mistaken for wife or anything like that. No. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to that. avoid I, the topic, Mark. I was just trying to allude to it. I cut <laughs> a lot of that. I cut it, was a in lot the, it was in the outtakes though. <laughs> Yeah, I actually have only listened to the edited episodes, so just imagine all of the amazing things that I never got to hear. I guess I could go back and watch the video, but I'm a little afraid to, so we'll just let it stand at uh, at that. But it was, yeah, we, we miss you. How was your week off? Yeah, it was good. I mean, you know, it was only an hour off, but uh, it made a big difference. I mean, it was the first week of school, and, uh, you know, it's been pretty crazy. The only thing I'll say is talking to my school teaching friends around the country, you know, please be nice to your kids' teachers. Uh, they are all working their butts off and uh, working really hard, uh, you know, to a man and to a woman. All the teachers that I'm talking to, they are just stressed out, out of their minds. I'm halftime, so I am, like, hanging in there, but uh, it's it's rough, and people are doing their best. So, you know, be nice to your kids' teachers, and, yeah, that's my uh, PSA for the week. Mark, did your kids uh, make it back to school in person? I know two weeks ago when we talked – 
you know, you were uh, having them at home for a little bit. Yeah, they're back. Uh, they're back full time. Our governor just changed some of the rules. Like before it was fifth grade and up had to wear a mask all day if they were in school, no matter how much spacing you have, which they have six feet everywhere. And she just changed it that kindergarten and up. So starting next week, they're going to wear masks all day. So I told I said, hey, just so you guys know, next week, you're going to start wearing a mask all day in school. And the first thing my son said was homeschool. I want homeschool. <laughs> and Mark said no. <laughs> he actually did really well with it, so I wouldn't mind him home. But my daughter, no, she. I'm be like, you wear two masks. I don't care. You're going. But yeah, so we'll see how that goes. I think. I mean, kids are are easily adaptable, and they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, my son's in kindergarten in person. You know, he just turned five in July, so he's pretty young. But he's had no problem with the masks. In fact, they have him switch it. Uh, like two times a day. So he has to bring three masks a day to school, but he's been fine. He's been having a blast. He keeps, I don't know where he got this. He must've gotten this from school, but like every day he leaves school and he's like, that was five stars, dad, five out of five stars. And I'm like, okay, bud, I'm glad you're having fun. I mean, this, this said school, Osterman is two stars, but school is five stars. Oh, that was a good burn. That was a good one. This school is just like recess all day. So, you know, I, he's happy and he's outside most of the time. So I think it's pretty good. How's that, Ellie doing, Sean? She's doing better. She's getting more used to sitting in front of the computer, but I wish she could go to school and have that experience, even if it was her running around outside most of the time. But she's finally sitting down most of the day, but she's still in front of the computer a large part of six hours a day, which is insane. And I do give credit to what you were saying earlier to her teacher because. There's 18, you know, little kindergartners that they're trying to wrangle in and via video and all this other stuff. And she has an amazing amount of patience. I will say that. So thank you to all of the teachers out there, yourself included, Joe. Thank you. And uh, yeah, Shira S. in the chat, uh, the Diamond Live chat, uh, who is watching this live, made a great point. You should also be kind to your school therapists, your school counselors, you know, all the ancillary people working at school, like everyone working their butts off, doing the best we can for America's youth. So, yeah. so if you're the parent that goes to school and screams at everybody, just wait till after the pandemic, right? Just, our just our school figured year. that out. We're not even allowed in the building, so <laughs> yeah, neither are we. Neither are we. Yeah, I think it's the same. It's the same here. Yeah, yeah. All right, and for the schools that are open, the private schools, you know, everybody is outside. Parents not allowed in. So, Mark, uh, what's the latest with your uh, fancy vacation home? I wouldn't call it fancy, um, but we finally got after like a three week issue we finally got the appraisal in it came in high enough that we were clear to close and we are closing on friday so the day after this podcast drops we'll have signed the papers and uh, going up this weekend and taking some stuff up and getting it trying to get it set up but i don't think we're actually going to stay in it at all this year pretty much going to get it get it set up and then have to winterize it so that's a little bit disheartening but i'm glad it's finally some almost over i'm tired of dealing with it Hey, it'll be yours. That's so that's so cool. Even if you have the the timing's a little bit, you know, rough and when you're getting possession, that's so neat to have it and it's gonna be a great place up there. And I'm still yep. waiting for my Cash- invitation. Still waiting for my invitation. Cashing in those ultimate rewards to pay for it. So <laughs> thank you for the uh pay yourself back getting extended to today, Chase, uh with the the good categories because I will be using uh your points to help afford this cottage. So do you think that this isn't on our agenda, but do you think that them extending it? Because clearly, you know, the people have their points. And so Chase is giving them a way to redeem them. But do you think it's going to alter the way that long term Chase has earning on ultimate rewards? If they're going to have these, these easy ways to pay yourself back, are they going to cap the earnings in some way down the line? 
I don't know. I wonder I wonder if it's actually cheaper for them versus transferring points. Like how much are they paying Hyatt for for their points? Are they paying more than one and a half cents a piece, United, stuff like that? Like I always assume they get a discount, but uh, from some of the stuff I read with other lenders and stuff, I don't think they really get that good of a deal for how many points they're buying. So maybe this 1.5 cents actually saves them money. I'm, I, I'm not sure. But the fact that they extended it so long and added it to more cards, I, I have a feeling that that has to be the case. Yeah, I would guess that they are incentivizing people to keep their card and it's not a super negative cost to them. And they probably are like keeping people like me on the hook who are like, oh, this is a great, you know, I know a lot of people are like killing it. Like, uh, you know, I know you and Bethany, Sean, have a little little friendly contest on who can uh, redeem, pay themselves back more. But, you know, there's also people like me who I'm not paying myself back, but I appreciate having that option and i'm just keeping the card because of that so i I would be surprised if you know chase makes any big changes i think you know this is working well for them and that's why they extended it yeah i think it's good that they're giving value and if it works for them it's a win-win i think because it's definitely great to have the option and that they extended it and like i said that wasn't on our agenda to talk about but we do have an article on the site if you want more information on that and let's get into talking about what we did have on the agenda and that's mark's holy moly bonus uh, Mark wrote the <laughs> Capital One Venture Card, 100,000 points. And Mark wrote the article about it and uh, used the term holy moly. I love putting like two words before the title. I don't know, like holy shnikes, stuff like that. It's always fun. People seem to like them. So um, yeah, Capital One released, uh, you know, Chase has been releasing all these bigger offers and then Capital One joined in on the fun. 100,000 Venture Card uh, points or Venture Miles, which are basically used one cent per piece uh, on travel. So you get 50000 after the first $3,000 in spend within the three months of opening the card. And then you can earn an additional 50000 if you spend $20,000 in the first 12 months. So basically 17000 more. The first 3000 counts towards it. That is worth $1,000 in travel. They have transfer partners, but they're not the most valuable and the, the rates aren't the best. But there there is some opportunity there if you know how to use it and they are allowing you to use it uh your points towards restaurants and stuff during the pandemic so that's also a possibility but i think this is like the biggest i mean i think they had a hundred thousand way back when but the biggest offer might have been when they were matching people's balances and some people had like a three hundred thousand mile balance with like an airline and they would match that as the sign up bonus really early on in the cards history but this is the biggest we've seen in a long time it's all it's been around fifty sixty thousand forever the only downside is it's Capital One and they're tough to get approved for, you know, usually like 624 is their cutoff. So if you just went above Chase 524, this is a good card to, to consider. I think I'm going to have my wife try for this card once we close on the house since she is just at 524. But what do you guys think about it? I think there's potentially a couple of downsides. One just being the amount of spend that you need for, for some people. But you point out in the article, they're giving you 12 months to reach that that spend. So what is it like $1,700 a month or something that yeah. that you have to do? So I, I feel like it's attainable, but it's just something people should understand going in because you want to be able to, to meet that and you don't want to you know screw that up and be 11 months from now and you can't make the spend or whatever. The other thing with Capital One is, you know, they are running all three credit bureaus if that's important to you. I think it's certainly worth it for an offer like this to do that. So it doesn't bother me that they do it. As you say, it's difficult to get approved. The one thing I would say if you don't have a Capital One card is their technology is very good. And I really, I have a Spark card. And if I have a subscription on the card, it now like, and they have commercials about this now, but 
it'll email me and say, oh, your subscription renews on this date. And it's like very smart. And it's really, uh, I really like the way the tech integrates with with the cards. So Capital One is a is a good bank as far as I enjoy the technology. I only have the one card with them. I think I've never had a venture card, so I am considering trying to get this. Um, but I'm kind of you know realistic that it may not happen if uh, you know just given on some of the data points I've seen about about approvals. But yeah, I mean this is a great offer, and I don't know. I'm excited about it. And like you said too in the article, you're still earning two percent on all that spend too. So you're getting a decent rate of return on all of your spend as you work towards that bonus. Yeah, and the nice thing is it's two-tiered. So even if you don't hit the 20K for the extra 50K, you know, you're still getting the 50K after 3K, which is the normal offer. So you're not really missing out. I think everybody can put $1,700 a month on their credit cards for the most part, just from normal groceries, gas, utilities, stuff like that. But Joe, what about you? You know, is this on, on the just one or two car radar? For you? Yeah, I mean, it might have to be, you know, Capital One to me or to my family is like Lucy and Charlie Brown and the football. Like every time I try to apply, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this card. And Capital One pulls the football away from me and I land uh, on my back uh, metaphorically. So I did not even realize like Capital One has burned me so many times by not approving me for cards that I didn't even realize that they had the 624. Otherwise I was thinking of applying for this for myself, but yeah, now that, you know, you've mentioned that Mark, I think, you know, I might have to look to, you know, applying for it for my wife or something like that. So I don't know. It's just, they always like don't approve me. And it's just so annoying. Like I don't mind risking three credit bureaus checking my credit, but like, I just want the card. I don't like getting three credit checks for nothing. I feel like they approve people that have like marginal credit more often than people with uh, great credit. Like if you have a low 700s, high 600 score, I think they prove you more hoping for, you know, fees and all that other stuff. But if you have like a high 700, low 800, you're less likely to get approved, which is the opposite of most lenders. But I think that's the way they roll. Yeah, I've heard that uh, anecdotally that they definitely look at how potentially profitable you are. From the turn, from the standpoint of interest, how likely you are to to run balances and interest, and and they're more interested in high uh, value clients who are going to generate a lot of those fees and interest than than that. That's of course anecdotally, but I guess we both heard similar things, uh, Mark. But yeah, and I've actually even heard like on the business side where they've shut down businesses that spend tons on their cards because they pay off their bills and they don't see them as being profitable long term. So. I don't know. I'm interested for me because I do spend a decent amount on my Spark card. It's kind of a, a backup card for me for my reselling business. So when I have large amounts of spend and I need to ramp up, I use that card. The only kind of downside of it is business, Capital One business cards still show up on your credit. So the balances still show up. But being a person that spends a lot on my Capital One card, I'm kind of interested to see if that helps me for the venture to get a second card, a personal card or not. That's something I don't know. So you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it'd be definitely... Interesting to see, you know, now that you have a foot in the door, like Chase can be with uh, people who are just getting started in this game. You know, I wonder if that'll help you get approved. So let me know. But I feel like they're still going to reject me. Speaking <laughs> of re- rejection, uh, American Express is rejecting more people's Ooh, grocery purchases, right? Boom. That's I'm just killing it today. But yeah, but Mark, I mean, you've been following this forever and Hilton our American Express had given a, a temporary bonus of 12x points on the Hilton Surpass card, and it went back down to the normal six. But 
people are still not earning their points from grocery purchases, right? Or people are still having them withheld. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of all over the board. My personal experience was I, you know, the first couple of months I earned my 12 times, I only did like three, $4,000 in spend. So it wasn't like a massive amount. And then in August, uh, they withheld, they, they didn't give me any points. And then when my state, when they finally did give me points, like in September, they gave me the points and then they clawed back most of them. So I was curious to see if there would still be issues with six times earning. When my statement cut in September, I had like a $460 grocery charge and the points posted my Hilton account properly, but my statement showed like a negative 19,000 points. So I don't know if they were trying to take more of that 12 times earning back and it didn't go through properly. So that kind of spurred me asking friends and stuff what they've been dealing with. And many of them didn't get any points, like their statement showed it properly, but they didn't post to their account. And then other people on the article commented that their points posted properly. So I think it's kind of all over the board. And it might be where you're at in the process with American Express. Like if they've cleared you through the 12 times and clawed back what they want to claw back, I think you'll start earning again on the grocery purchases. But if they haven't, then it's getting held up again. It's all over the place. And then when the statement closes, people are seeing these negative amounts and then positive amounts and nothing's matching up to what they're spending and they have no clue where the numbers are coming from. So it's kind of a mess. So you might want to wait another month or two before you, you put grocery spend on there just to be safe. I think to me, the most annoying thing would be just the inconsistency, right? Like everyone, you know, you just want, like, if you think I've gamed and I probably have, and you want to take the points, that's fine. But I just think just being in this kind of no man's land of like not knowing exactly what's going on or when am I going to get the points or like I have legit spend. And then are you going to take away all my spend because I had some illegitimate spend? You know, I think that's the annoying part of the story for me, which I'm not affected by it, but it's just one of those things that is frustrating to see from distance. Yeah, they keep proving, though, that they can do it and that they have the right to do it. And that's just something that we should keep in our heads and our minds as we go forward with any bank is that they really can strong arm you in some very serious ways. Stay away from the gold card, Amex. Just stay away from it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they're they're working their way down uh, the list. <laughs> they're coming for, for all you people with 15 gold cards. They're coming for you. No, just kidding. All right. And yeah, let's move on then and talk travel for a minute. And I don't know, I just thought it would be fun to have a travel topic on the show. And we all have kids and we all talk about like the benefits of family travel and the good side of family travel. So I thought, why not just do the opposite of that and just talk about the ways that family travel is terrible or the negative sides, or as I put it, the pains of traveling with kids. I don't know. I just thought it would be fun to, to kind of take an opposite approach because it's true that kids can be a pain in the butt, you know, when you're traveling, uh, especially so can adults, of course. But I mean, what do you guys think? Is there a downside to, to family travel? Yep. And what is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's come on. You got to ask a better leading question than that, Sean. I mean, come on. I just want your opening statement. That's all. We're going to work our way through here. Our opening statement is yes. Pick. Yeah, I think I think a big part of it is how old are the kids? You know, the younger the kids are, the harder it is, the worse it is. Also, the the bigger the payoff with with smaller kids because their reactions to stuff are are more excitable than you know a teenager that doesn't care what you're doing. They're just annoyed. Um, but you know, you're dealing with tantrums and people getting tired and or being bored or not wanting to go to certain places. So. I think a lot, you know, goes into that, like, where are you going? What are you doing? What your kid's temperament is like my son, I can take pretty much anywhere and he'll be, he's a better traveler than, than most adults I travel with. He's game for anything. And 
we can go anywhere. Like we went to DC last October, I believe, like end of October. And he loved it. We walked all over the place. We walked like 20 miles in two days. And he was, you know, in awe of everything. If I took my daughter there, she'd just say she was bored the entire time and that her legs hurt and I'd have to carry her and it would be a whole thing. So I think picking the right uh, trip, depending on your children, is a big thing. Stay away from Disney if you want sanity. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but kind of, but kind of, but kind of. You already got your Disney red card today, so let's not even. I'm not gonna. <laughs> no, but I I would say like if you're doing a Disney trip, break it up. Like don't do five straight days of parks. Make you know have a pool day in the middle because it just gets exhausting, especially if you're staying there to the fireworks and everything like that. So it, it you know temper your expectations, I guess if you're if you have a new family of what you can do and whatever you want to do, probably do half of it would be my suggestion. Yeah, those are all great suggestions, Mark, and you bring up great points. You know, I feel like to add on, obviously, at like different ages, there's always going to be different problems. Like, you know, you have to worry about diapers at a certain age, and then you have to worry about potty training at another age. And then when they're teenagers, like they're too cool for school and they don't want to do anything. You have to worry to about me, smoking. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. the number one worry. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's what I worry about for my seven-year-old. So, you know, speak for yourself. But yeah, so I, to me, like, I think the biggest pain traveling with kids is, you know, for my family, that's three more opinions I got to deal with. Like, it was hard enough to travel with my wife when we had two opinions. But now that there's like three more opinions and yeah, like they don't necessarily get to express their opinions as much or like say like, I want to go here. Although as they get older, you know, we're letting them do that. But it's like really hard to find a place that all five of us enjoy. So, you know, I think that really kind of takes, I wouldn't say takes some of the enjoyment out of travel, but it makes it more difficult and it makes it more challenging and more work up front to like kind of find something that works for everyone in our family. But Sean, I'm curious about your thoughts because you're the only one of us who has dealt with a child who has been a teenager at some point. Joe, when you're traveling just the two of you, you know, only one opinion mattered and that was Jess's. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right. I was given, but but see, when it was the two of us, I was given the impression that I had. Yeah. You know, she, she made you feel like you had to say, and then was like, no, exactly. She Jedi mind tricked. It was like, it was like, oh, Joe, you want to climb Mount Fuji? And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Whose uh, whose idea was the camping trip? Because that might have just like ruined your whole future if it was your idea. No, it wasn't. It wasn't my. I mean, that was. Uh, to be fair, that was like a family trip, so it was okay. decided on all together. But yeah, it was her idea to not seal the second part of the tent so that we froze all night, though. So, teenagers, so teenager, teenagers. I would say that it's that is definitely a downside to family travel is dealing with teenagers. Um, I will say that travel is like very personal to me. So planning trips, you know, we all do. I think anybody in this hobby, and certainly the three of us, spend a lot of time planning and researching or even just like dreaming about going to places. And then we put together a trip. And I think the biggest thing that hurt me was like the lack of gratitude at that age, wreaking havoc on the trip, you know, if they're in a bad mood, so those kinds of things. I think in the end, though, you do get maybe a little bit more joy as they're, you know, more developed as a person so they can appreciate things a little bit on the a little closer to the same level that you're appreciating them. But then, you know, teenagers just like, like to throw a bomb and and just kind of ruin your day. And that happened quite a bit and ruined. I had some bad trips where like, I want to say the trip was ruined, but it was pretty rough times dealing with the teenager at points. And this is the same kid who 
traveled all around the world when he was six, seven, was like the best traveler in the world. So it's it's really amazing how that, that can change over time. And, you know, now that he's kind of gotten older, more into adulthood, he, he does better with that. But I feel like, yeah, it gets, it gets harder with teenagers. But I think that's just parenting in general, because you can't really control them anymore. And so it makes travel harder. It makes everything harder. Honestly, you're making me get nervous inside. <laughs> yeah, because my son's great traveler, and you're like, oh, my son was a great traveler, and now he's terrible. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He got he got terrible. That's just true. But here's a question for well, you guys. You, where, well, sure. before you do that, weren't you in Thailand, like on your last big trip you guys took together, just the two of you? And he was like, you're like, let's go to the beach, and he's like, oh, I just want to sit here on my phone. <laughs> Oh yeah, I was. I got to a point where I stopped talking to him for like two days, for the most part, and I just did my own thing because I was so mad that he was on his phone the whole time. So I just said, "I'm not going to talk to you." And I went out and did my my own thing. And yeah, that's just the way it is. But you can't really control somebody who's 16, 17, 18 years old. Even at 13, you know, it starts to become difficult. But again, like I said, they are experiencing things maybe closer to the level that an adult is. So in a way, you are getting fulfilled when things are good in a different way, in a good way. But when things are bad, they're much worse, I think, than when they're when they're little. The question I was going to have for you guys is how much do you, does your travel style influence your kids? Like, you know, I see like when I'm traveling, I'll see like a family, right? And the parents are all scattered. And then the kids are all crazy because the parents are going crazy. And you see this at Disney, but you see it elsewhere too. You know, how much uh, as parents are we setting that example? And how can we make them better travelers by being a good example ourselves? How much does that inf- impact that? I'll say for me, like I travel di- completely differently. Like if I, if I'm traveling with uh, friends or by myself or whatever, it, it's a completely different experience and expectations than when I'm traveling with kids and stuff, just uh, completely different. Like everything's different. You know, my goals, what I want to do, where I want to go, destinations that I pick are completely different. So I don't know. I think just being patient is a big thing with travel, which I'm not always the best with, especially with my wife. Cause she's been to the airport so many times and still doesn't know where to go in our home airport. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's not only your wife. <laughs> I'm like, Kirsten, how do we, how do we get back to the car from here? <laughs> she, sometimes she can't figure it out. And Connor's like, Hey, we go this way, Ma, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, I like my son will, my son knows the, the routine better at some points. So I'm going to get so much hate for this on Thursday evening. Uh-huh. When he gets home from work. There's probably many things that she does much, much better than you do. And I know that's the case with Jasmine. And so, Patience is, is a big one. Patience is a big one that she does way better. So do you think you saw, you said if you brought your daughter that you'd have to carry her and she'd complain? Do you think that there's a way with a kid like that? I guess I'm saying is it how much of it is personality and how much of it is just experience and training a child, like how to travel? Like the more they do it, the better they get at it. I think it's a mix of both. You know, that's her personality. I don't I don't think I could ever train her into being it. She just is what she is at this point. And I think she could get better. And as she gets older and, and stronger and all that, I think it will get better. But I mean, she's a princess, man. Like she just wants things her way. And that's the way it is. So traveling with her is is quite the uh, experience. So we haven't done it. I, I've done one trip with just me and her. And I did one trip with uh, me and both kids. Um, and my wife stayed home and both were exhausting. So, uh, you know, a trip with my son, it's fine. <laughs> so I'll leave it at that. How are you, Joe? <laughs> what I was going to say is like, it's just the energy that you have to expend, right? Like, even if a kid does not love traveling, you can, again, like you can Jedi mind trick them into getting into something, or at least you can try and sometimes you'll be successful. However, like that's so much work and like so much energy to like, because 
you know, sometimes when you're on the road, of course, you're tired. But like, if you're going to a certain destination, like say you're going to a national park, or you're going to a museum or go, going to see something that you know, the kids will like, and you know, that is cool. Like you have to get up enough energy yourself to be motivated to go, then you need to expend even more energy to like get the kids pumped up sometimes. And you know, I think that is what is so tiring about these trips sometimes. I think you and your son, Mark, are super lucky that you not only enjoy traveling together, but you like travel the same way. And, you know, I think because of that, because you're in sync, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to like generate as much energy to get him into the stuff that you're into because he's into it already. But, you know, I think at different points in my kids' lives, they've been like that with me, but I just assume that as they grow older, like at some point we're going to diverge and, you know, it's that energy. It's that, you know, getting them hyped or at least getting them mentally prepared. That is tiring to me. Although, like you said, Mark, it does pay off most of the time. Maybe not in Thailand. Uh, (laughs) I'll say, uh, yeah, my son, my son brings the energy. So he actually uplifts me when we travel, which is pretty awesome. Like we did New York city together and we walked forever all over and it was hot. It was Memorial day weekend and in the city, it was like 85 plus, you know, all the concrete and heat. It was hot and he didn't complain once. I mean, he got excited to ride a dirty subway. Like he got super pumped about that. It's just crazy how much energy it brings. So, and I've written, I've written articles about this. Like we butt heads a lot in, in the everyday life, but when we travel, it's like, you know, we're in sync really well and things are completely different. You know, his energy is different. His demeanor towards me is different. My demeanor towards him is different. So it's something special that we haven't been able to do during the pandemic together that we usually do three, four times a year to get just the two of us. So that's a big thing we're missing out on right now. And you notice it in between the two of us, we haven't had that time together. So I don't know, maybe I need to take him to the cottage for a weekend, just the two of us. Hey, Megan son, says, uh, let me moral... teach you about winterizing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Put them to put them to work. Yeah. Megan, uh, the moral of this story is to take a cruise and leave the kids in the kids club. There you go. Go to those Hyatt once they have the kids clubs. Let's let's hit a couple other because there are some good pointers in here. Megan said bathroom breaks are the worst at the worst possible times when you're traveling with kids. That's 100 percent true. Or you're like, hey, let's all go to the bathroom before we leave. And then as soon as you get to the park or whatever. They have to go to the bathroom. Uh, Anthony, traveling with a car seat and or big, you know the word, stroller. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, that, I'm that's, so glad. Like, I think that's I'm pretty much thing. past that uh, part. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like, we, you know, we didn't travel when they were really young because of those two things. Like, we just, we did a lot of car trips, road trips. We didn't fly until we could just do the fold-up stroller. We didn't need all that extra stuff and that you know a lot of people don't make that decision that's something we made it just made it easier and then uh shira said how do you control a toddler with uh bribes that's how you do it yeah and these are all of our uh, our diamond patreon members patreon.com forward slash miles to memories if you're interested in our private community where they have bonus content they're able to follow along live and thanks to all of them that are out there sorry to break the show for that but i definitely want them to know that we appreciate that and them helping us you know with this comments as we go, I have one more question about family travel and the downsides and the positives. And it's, are we ruining or helping our kids uh, by taking them everywhere? I mean, in the end is, you know, is this a net positive or is all the stress, especially somebody, let's say a kid who doesn't travel very well, is this added stress worth it for them in their lives? I think uh, we should give the caveat that like, to my knowledge, none of our kids are uh, children with special needs or anything like that. You know, I think that really does change the equation. Like if I find out that one of my kids has 
you know, a sensory issue, then, you know, I think that's a different story. But at least speaking for my kids, you know, none of them have any special needs that we know of yet. And so I feel like it's going to be a net positive overall. One thing that I've really missed in this pandemic is just being in different places and experiencing just different people and cultures. And, and I, you know, I'm talking about in the United States as well, right? Like, I mean, I got to go to Pennsylvania, but like, that's the furthest that I've gone, you know, since this all started. So, you know, I think on balance, it's a net positive, it will increase stress. But also, I think we always joke that, like some of our most memorable trips are the ones where we're fighting with our family. Um, and hopefully they end up as funny memories when we grow up like uh, mine with my parents. I'd like to think that uh, it'll be a net positive. But yeah, I'm curious. What do you think, Mark? I mean, the funny thing is, isn't it like the worst trips that have the fondest memories for whatever reason, like the ones that just completely fall apart or have all the issues are the ones that you laugh about and, and remember the most, um, even from childhood. That's what I remember, like the ones that went wrong. And, and as a family, the trips have run, went wrong. So I don't think there's really ever a bad time. Like even if things go poorly, you, you know, you, you take the good out of it. You remember that. But I will say like, as far as ruining, are we ruining our children? I, I worry about that, like with, you know, some of the bookings we do, some of the hotels we stay at, because we're, we're staying well above our means, at least for most of us, we're staying well above our means at, you know, five star hotels or flying, you know, lie flat over to Europe and stuff like that. Or in my case, flying the big front seat with my kids, I spoil the hell out of them. <laughs> I think, you know, that's a great point, Mark. You know, I think I've joked about how my daughter is like, this is in business class. Like, what are we doing here? So yeah, I think, <laughs> I think like that has ruined them in one sense, but I also, when Sean originally asked this question, I was like, my feeling as a parent is that I'm always ruining my children. So, you know, yeah. travel is just like another, you know, if we can get to when these kids are 18 and they're like nominally functioning adults, like I feel like I will have been successful. So, you know, I feel like travel is just another aspect of that. But what do you think, Sean? I think it's absolutely fundamental for children to travel now. And I think if you really pay attention to what's happening with young kids and social media and how sort of small their world is getting, how more kind of in touch with the device they are and less in touch with the real world they are and how we tend to get more kind of boxed into our own beliefs because of social media and stuff. I think travel is an anecdote to that. Um, and I've noticed that in my own life. You know, I have a 20 year old who's been traveling since he was six and he has a very very wide view of the world. And when he sees something that happens, he's able to have a perspective that's well beyond what he would have if he had just been here his whole life. And I feel like that serves him pretty well. And that's, I think, the best advantage of it. Of course, we are ruining our kids, I think, in some way. I, I know that, like me, I always, of course, it's no surprise being who I am that I always grew up kind of dreaming of travel and I had this wanderlust. And you know, being able to accomplish to go to those places as an adult was a big accomplishment for me. And my son's already been to a lot of different countries. He's already been to a lot of those iconic places that we've always dreamt of. I don't know that it's necessarily negative, but he doesn't have those kind of check boxes or those kind of uh, travel dreams that maybe other people have because of all the travel. So I definitely think it has an effect, but I think it's so important to teach my children. And I would dare say other people to teach their children about the world and, and how it really is. And like you said, Joe, there's nothing better than actually seeing it in person, seeing the different cultures, whether it's just in the next state or, you know, across, you know, across an ocean or wherever. I don't think we could ever ruin them more than that helps. My question for you, Sean, is like, how jealous is Sean Reese of Ellie that he stayed at 
hotels that smelled like cigarettes and, and toilet and, <laughs> and and riding chicken buses and <laughs> at least flying lie flat to Hawaii. It is got regions. Yeah, I mean, it is a different a difference in lifestyle, but uh, I mean, he got a different sort of travel too. You know, he got to live with his parents. Getting that experience was very different than what Ellie gets, I think, because she doesn't travel in that same way. So I think there's good and bad, but he does, you know, he does mention that from time to time and, and the difference. And, <laughs> you know, he does. Yeah. And I would just say that we're kind of lucky in that Ellie's a pretty good traveler, but I don't know that she would be the kind of person I would want to sit on a bus for. You know, I think we've done like the longest we ever did with my son was like a two day bus ride from Mexico through Belize into back into Guatemala. And hard pass. Yeah, it was rough. And like, I don't know that I could do that with Ellie. And she's about the same age. She's a year ish younger than he was at that time. But yeah, it's just very different. So I guess it worked out in our lives that we travel a little bit differently now because it makes things easier with her. Because, you know, like you said, with your daughter, Ellie's personality is probably uh, at a point where she would probably complain a lot more than my son did at that at that age. So, yeah, I think that was a good discussion, though, guys. I, I think, you know, it was a different kind of topic for family travel. Thanks, everybody in the chat for helping us out with that. And let's close it out with some rapid fires. Mark, you want to start us off? Yeah, I wrote about a uh, credit card that came out a couple weeks ago and you know, when I first saw the info on it, I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. But nobody really covered it. Nobody wrote about it. So uh, it's kind of like a dark horse credit card. It's for hotels.com, which is probably the best non-points program out there. Like if you're staying at a hotel that isn't a Hyatt, a Hilton, a Marriott type of thing, I would book it through hotels.com. Normally after 10 stays, you get, you know, a reward certificate for the average of those 10 stays. So if you spend a hundred bucks a night for 10 nights, you get a hundred dollar certificate. This credit card will, you know, gives you one of those certificates after spending $500 for $110. So if you spend $5,000, you get $110 free night, essentially, which is a 2.2% return on your spend. And it's no annual fee card. It comes with some other perks like cell phone insurance and everything. So for anybody that's big spenders, like a Sean, that's a reseller and stuff, it's something that I would consider if you're above Chase 524 and you have that bandwidth because it's giving you a good return. And I would say if you use Hotels.com already, it's a good uh, good perk for that because, you know, if you let's say you use it like four times a year, like every three years, you'd get a free night. This could, you know, cut that in half or cut it down to every year you're getting it. So take it, uh, take a look at it. I wrote an article on it. I gave all the details, but something that people aren't talking about and, you know, kind of a dark horse credit card out there. How about you, Sean? Ryan on the site had a great article Um Anywhere but here, the best miles for international travel from the U.S. And I like it because basically he breaks it down by region. You know, you're going to Canada, you're going to Mexico, you're going to Europe. Here's the best for economy, for business, for first class. And, you know, just makes it really easy to kind of see which programs might uh, shine for different regions and kind of inspire you. So I really like it. And it's it's a really good resource for you guys. Bookmark, we'll put the link in the show notes. Joe? So this podcast is coming out on October 1st, but Miles to Memories, you guys just put up your monthly end of month checklist for kind of all the credits that you get from various credit cards, like wireless credits, streaming credits, shipping credits, et cetera, et cetera. So my recommendation to you is to check out the end of month checklist and like Sean in September, make it your beginning of the month checklist so you can get rid of all these credits, deal with everything before it is too late. Do not procrastinate like Sean normally does, but did not do 
for this September? The big question is, will I do it next month? Will at the beginning of October, will I do it or will I be like following the cycle again in the end of October? I'll be scrambling. We'll see. Did you or did you not listen to my rapid fire? We will see. Stay tuned, everybody. All right. And that'll do it for us this week. Joe, where are the million places people can find you during the week when they're not listening to this podcast? Yeah, that's what that's what we loved when Grant was on. He only did like two things. All right. For the last like, month, Twitter. <laughs> for the last month. All right. I'll have you know. I've been saying you can find all my stuff at As The Joe Flies. You know, <laughs> f- find me on Twitter and you can find everything there. I've been saying it for the last month. All right. So go go back and listen to that, Mark. All right. I I, I heard your dig. Okay. I still, I still <laughs> edited the show. We know you heard you I still had to edit that. No, I want the people to know that I heard your dig. <laughs> so where can we find you, Mark? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Detroit Mark best Twitter handle ever. Email me, Mark at Miles to Memories. Comment on any of the articles on milestomemories.com. Join our Facebook groups uh, where I'm in there all the time. So lots of ways to get a hold of me. How about you, Sean? Yeah, milestomemories.com for the articles. And we have our YouTube channel. So youtube.com forward slash Miles to Memories with his Vegas videos. We just passed a million views in the last couple of months, which was really yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. Working towards 10,000 subscribers here in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. And we're going to do a big uh, giveaway, actually, uh, when we reach 10,000 subscribers. So if you're interested in subscribing, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. And then the Patreon group, as we mentioned earlier in the show, if you're interested in kind of diving in deeper, we have Facebook group, Discord group, and we do private shows pretty much every week for Patreon subscribers. And you can... Find out more at patreon.com forward slash miles to memories for this podcast, mtmpodcast.com. And uh, you can get all the links to subscribe, plus see a picture with Mark's beautiful face if you want to see that during the week as well. Joe just took a big chug right there. He's chugging it. Oh, he's finishing it off. Oh, just at the end. We missed all the good stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Bye. See you. Bye. got caught trying to log into my Hilton account real time to see if, if anything did. Uh, and I didn't, didn't manage to get in there in, in time. Um, so Joe, just cut this out. Do you have anything to say to respond to what Mark said? No, nah, I'm good. I'm going to give you more rope to hang yourself. <laughs> no rope. I'm logging. Okay. I'm logging into my account. Hold on. Uh, real quick for Megan. I don't think there was any of us. I know uh, Sean Reese did write a review of Hello Kitty, but he flew it by himself. I think back back from that trip in Thailand, right? But pizza. Here's my uh, my good parenting. Like he gets to um, he gets to Taipei, and you know he's eighteen. He was not actually nineteen years old at the time, and so he drunk. Was le- legally able to drink in, in Taiwan. <laughs> not legally able to drink on the plane to Taiwan, apparently, or on the plane to Thailand after that, but. He finds himself a bar apparently in the uh, Taipei airport. I love and, it. Uh, I don't love it. And uh, I don't know uh, what else. I don't know how many beers he had or whatever. <laughs> and he but, had, uh, and he has the same name, so he had his dad's credit card. <laughs> well, yeah, I got to be careful with that. But he did not. He did not do that. But the the crazy thing is, he was supposed to take pictures of a few different things along the way, and then the pictures were just terrible. Like he took all of like ten seconds to take the pictures, and then he spent a couple hours at the bar. 
they're walking around with like rum runners or Mai Tais or something like that, whatever the drink was. They're handing it out to everybody. And she gets to him and she's like, here you go, sir. And he's like, oh, uh, does that have alcohol in it? And she's like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm only 18. She's like, oh, okay. And we're all like, Thomas, are you an idiot? <laughs> you just take it. That would be my son, though. Like he did. I tell you, I believe him. He didn't drink because on, on the plane going there, and then he didn't drink in you know Thailand or anything. like he like it was. It mattered to him that in Taiwan he could drink because that was the age, and then other places he couldn't. I'm like, I don't know what the difference is other than you know a law, but I'm glad that he's like that. So I'm not going to complain about it. That was too fast. <laughs> Joe, Joe's got a burp now. I was trying to get a burp ready for my buy, but one, I thought it was too crude, and two, I couldn't yes, get it. Yes, thank you. Thank you for sparing us the burp. I, appreciate I, couldn't it. Get it, I couldn't get it together fast enough. But. 